Welcome to Pipeline, Profiles in Philosophy and Education. I'm your host, Winston C. Thompson. Pipeline is a monthly short-form interview program focused on contemporary scholars. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit pipeline.fm. Pipeline is made possible by the generous support of the Education Department of the University of New Hampshire. This episode, we're joined by Jan Maschlein, University of Leuven. Jan, welcome to Pipeline. Thank you for the invitation. Of course, of course. So our our listeners are interested uh, in knowing, how did you become uh, uh, interested in uh, work in philosophy of education? How did you start uh, doing this philosophical work uh, uh, in education? What, What was your origin here? I am already of a certain age, so you should take that into account. So I came to the university uh, middle in, in, in Europe, so in Belgium, uh, at the moment that a lot of people um, out of the, let's say, the lower middle classes, labor classes, came to the university. So it was okay. the, uh, the grow, the t- tremendous grow of higher education, of university uh, in, in Europe, of the start of mass universities. Mm. And so a lot of us went to the, went to the university. Uh, but it was also at the, same, at the same moment, it was precisely also uh, when uh, the university itself and just not only the university, but many, many uh, places that were related or, yeah, or activities that were related to education mm. at the university, but also within the family uh, uh, or, or more broader, were in a phase of contestation. So okay. it, for, I went to the university uh, by the end of the 60s, beginning okay. of the 70s. Okay. So that was the period of the uh, post-May 60, post-May 68. And so there was a very, very strong feeling um, that there would be a kind of change of the world okay. <laughs> and a kind of, and it was the, the time of the Vietnam, uh, uh, Vietnam War, uh, all the kinds of the, yeah, all the struggles of decolonization that mm. were going on. And that was very, very present at the university. Mm. And there was a strong idea uh, at that moment in edu- so to or a strong movement, in fact, to go to educational sciences in, our, okay. in the Belgian context that was called pedagogical sciences. Mm-hmm. So a strong movement to go there because there was this belief that through this educational, through education, <laughs> we could contribute to emancipation. Uh. And emancipation was conceived, first of all, not as a personal emancipation, sure. but as a kind of, imp- yeah, it, it was related to the idea of a better world. So it was not so much, it was of course also about the individual, but it was related to a social uh, to a social move strong social movement so i went to the university right. and there i was confronted with the thinking of the frankfurt school mm. so i made my my master thesis on max horkheimer's kritische und traditionelle theorie so mm. the, one of the founding articles of the frankfurt uh, of of the frankfurt school uh, and so from from there, I, I, I also so I went to to the faculty of uh, educational science, but I also studied philosophy. Mm. 
the same at the same at the same time. Uh, so I was <laughs> introduced, of course, in in the classics in philosophy, but also in the classics, let's say, of German educational thinking, mm. which always have been very. Yeah, strongly philosophical. That's okay. the, the German pedagogic tradition is very is a very philosophical tradition. Sure. In the light of yeah, very strongly also influenced by Kant and the Kantian uh, context. And um, and at that time there was a very strong movement in uh, in Germany in educational sciences, which was inspired by the Frankfurt School, which was called the Emancipatorische Pädagogik, the, the, mm. the critical and emancipatory. emancipatory pedagogy. So, and this allowed that these things came together, so to say, the critical sure. critical theory, Frankfurt School, and then this educational, this educational context. So, that is how I, how I started, and then I went into, into a PhD. I went to Frankfurt, studied with Habermas okay. um, during my the work at my PhD, and made, made also a PhD on on the work of Habermas, theory of communicative action, and, and so he was at the moment that I was in Frankfurt. Uh, I followed with him, uh, the, so he was teaching in the, the he was giving the courses on modernity, the discourse of mod- which is then be published as the discourse of modernity sure. much later on uh, in English. But so discourse de moderne that was what he was teaching in Frankfurt, and what was. Particularly interesting was that he was inviting also at the same moment all the people that he was in this work. Most of them, those who were dead, of course not, but mm. uh, those that he was discussing, like Bourdieu, Derrida, okay. uh, he invited them okay. to also at the same moment to Frankfurt. Okay. So we had seminars together where you had Derrida, Habermas. Uh, where Bourdieu came and all these things, and so wow. that made that had a very strong impression. Of course, <laughs> made a strong I impression. Mean, how how large were these seminars? I mean, uh, uh, to hear you describe it, it sounds as though there was uh, some real opportunity to have uh, substantive conversations. How large were how large were the groups? I remember speci- especially the one with Derrida and yeah. then Habermas. I would estimate it would be about. 50, 60 people. So it was not so. It was not a yeah. very, very, very big. Of course, he, he always gave a, a, a lecture. Sure. And then after the lecture, there was this, 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 the seminar. Sure. Uh, so yeah, it, it was. It was very. But there were many, many, many things oh, in wow. Frankfurt at the time. There were many, many things going on. So uh, this was just one one of the things. But it was very, yeah. very impressive. Also, the way the discussions uh, the went. So I also had another seminar with him that was a small one with Habermas then. Yeah. That was a small one of maybe 15 people that okay. we were uh, together there. And so, yeah, so yeah. that was, the, that was the, the beginning. So the start of getting into a kind of critical tradition of philosophy yeah. and critical theory. Uh, and okay, so that's, that's how it started. 
how it started for that you. Is, that is how it started. Yeah. yeah but so, so, so it sounds as though um, you're just so. So you described for us then uh, the way in which uh, you came into that sort of critical theory uh, uh, in that moment, in that time, in that place, in that space. Uh, but then you also said that there was this sort of abiding sense of education as being emancipatory. Now, for you, was that was that the case? I mean, uh, was was it the case that uh, as you were uh, as you were thinking through a critical theoretical lens, uh, were you thinking about in that moment education as emancipation, or did that uh, sort of was that just sort of in the background of your? Uh, no, no, that was the start, the starting point. I see. So the starting point. So for a lot of my, co- me, we had a. So it was also the moment where, for example, in the first year, so that was in the structure. Then it was called the the candidate. So what would be called now the bachelors, the yeah. bachelor. At that moment, we were 400 students, in more than 400 students in the first in the first year, and yeah. Most of these students were there out of a kind of engage, a, a social engagement. Right. Uh, so not an engagement to. So so I, I think that's a very big change with what happens today, at least in Europe. I don't know here, mm. but that, that people that engage in education today that they want to help individuals. Sure. So there are individual problems, sure. and we have to. And but then the idea was not to help individual problems, but to solve, so to say, or to contribute to social justice, right. to to emancipation as a social process, not as a not as just an individual thing. Of course, also individual uh, liberation was involved, but but it was mainly about what we yeah, what, what could be called a, we should improve the world or the way we sure. work for a better world sure. so that was the motivation and I then see. yeah being confronted with this critical theory offered yeah, offered the means so to say to to start to think about it and to, to what what it could be emancipation and what it meant and so it offered the so, tools the tools so to say to yeah the tools to kind of pursue that focus yeah. now now given that focus what are some of the things that you've focused on uh, in your own work uh, since that early work uh, uh, again talking about your uh, uh, your master's thesis and then your dissertation and so forth uh, for the PhD but what uh, what what are some of the things that you've been uh, returning to as central themes uh, uh, animating your work on these questions of, of emancipation. Now, maybe I should say that. So I went to, I, went, I continued in this in this critical tradition, which which mainly was a the tradition, and maybe still is a tradition that that in a way, ha, yeah, starts starts always from a certain stance in which. You try to reveal something of, I say it a little bit uh, unprotected, so to say, mm. but where you reveal all or have the ambition to reveal something that the others don't see, right. to raise consciousness, right. <laughs> uh, to raise the consciousness about, and so to the others. It, it, it's very, it, or it was very often uh, the idea we have. To, the critique is to show mainly the others that they are wrong <laughs> right right <laughs> that they don't right. see right right that they make assumptions that they cannot found sure. that there is no foundation for what they say uh, so it, it is always this or it was very strongly this this attitude of critiquing as sure. showing the others sure. that they could not really f- give the foundations of what they were saying or or found you know, ground the, the assumptions on which they were building Knowing, in fact, oneself that you cannot do that anyway, but nevertheless having this attitude. So, and I must say that, that at some point for me, so that is now about 15 years ago or something like that, I will say it like this, I became sick of myself. 
So I found okay. it. I found it really not. It was not interesting anymore to constantly go into the mode of critique. So sure. it was really not interesting. So, 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 so if I'm hearing you correctly, then it was the case that that critique was sort of critique without construction, right? Uh, am, am always I starting. Yeah. It, I, I think, and that is maybe something, and so I, I think it is related to a philosophical uh, to a, uh, bias. Sure. <laughs> I think okay. philosophical bias. Okay. So the philosophical bias, I think, is, I, I think, of course, related to, to the, the foundational story of the cave. And so the philosopher mm-hmm. is the one who goes out, sees the light or sees, sees what is going on and then has to go back to liberate the others. Sure. So he is the one who to some extent knows or at least or sees or, or, sees, yeah. or things like that and I, I really think that it is very strongly related to this to this element of this philosophical bias and so yeah I wanted to get to get rid of that but it was related not only to the to the kind of feeling that this critical posture was not interesting anymore but sure. it was also related to things that that we had a very strong feeling so me and my colleagues had a very strong feeling that all kinds of things were changing mm. and that so this disposition of philosophy of education within the within within the academic context criticizing the empiricist the, 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 those in didactics or, or, mm. or that they didn't think about their assumptions that they that so that that was wrong, not interesting anymore, but also that the, the things were changing in such a way that that we missed something. Yeah, that we were enclosing ourselves in a kind of internal discourses where okay. we complained and more complained constantly about the others, sure. <laughs> about oh, something was going wrong and sure. society is this and society is that, and yeah, in a in a very yeah, enclosed circle, so sure, to say. Yeah. And so we wanted to move away from that. Okay. And and so we, yeah. For me, that was related to very concrete experiences, which were that I was invited just by. Uh, so I, I was at a real moment to leave the academy. Mm. So to say, I'm not going to continue this kind of thing. Okay. This is not interesting. Anymore. Okay. Yeah. At that moment, I was invited by. Uh, by a colleague of my friend, a friend of mine, an architect uh, who teaches at the School of Architecture and in, in, in the Arts, and he said, "Why, why don't, why don't you come with me? We go with students. We go to Sarajevo." Okay. And so, to, so Sarajevo at the time, so two thousand, just after two thousand. So the, of course, the, it was still very, very close to the to the war. Yeah. Uh, also, very, very visible. The, it was not yet, for for example, internet and all these kind of things was of very, very extremely limited. You could not touch it. Huh? Mm. So we went with students to 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 Sarajevo for for ten days to work there, and at that moment, I through that experience, I realized myself that maybe. We could do something with students which was different. Okay. So not going into the mode of constantly, yeah, uh, trying to show the others how wrong they are, or, sure. and so on. So, and that that was for me also an important. So, so I from then on I continued to go with students every year 
to post-conflict cities or okay. to cities which are not tourist cities to work there and to have a kind of feeling. So for us, that was a way to try to have a kind of sense of the actual conditions. Okay. So what is going on in the world? Okay. And so these post-conflict cities are interesting because because you can see you see much better. Mm. That is what we but the hypothesis was, and it has been confirmed afterwards. So you can see more clear conditions are more clear. Okay. And also yourself, because you feel in these conditions, and also the students, you feel always a bit uncomfortable. Okay. It's not never comfortable to 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 go in these sit to go around in these cities in these post-conflict cities immediately after the war or after the conflict. Right. And you feel uncomfortable, and that is also, as we know, it, it is a good a, a, a good help to be more attentive, okay. because if you are, you don't feel comfortable, sure, you you pay you attention. Have to take, yeah, you yeah. must pay attention exactly. to what you are to what you are seeing. So we take it as a we took it as a as a kind of way to 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 try to get some insight in mm. what is in what is going on, and then to think about how how education is related uh, is related to. Uh, to that, so from then on we started, and that made for me also that was the start from uh, going with my colleagues then into a reformulation of philosophy of education mm. and what was called the center for philosophy of education. Mm. So we then translated it or changed it in what is now called a laboratory right. for education society, and so we deliberately chose the notion of laboratory mm. in order to you know, to be able to get into what we now call collective experiments, okay. uh, where we, yeah, where we really try to con- to create and to invent practices and venues, uh, in order to yeah to to try to think what is going on, okay. to try to make sense of what is going on. Okay. And, uh, so trying to sort of create a, an opportunity to really uh, 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 recognize uh, the situation, mm-hmm. to really yeah. recognize what's happening in that situation. Yeah. 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 Um, I wonder. Is there, is there, to your mind, then, um, uh, anything that you might have to say to our listeners about uh, the future of philosophy of education? I mean, so, uh, as a field, um, you know, uh, it's very uh, rare to come across um, uh, an approach that's uh, uh, exactly like the approach that you've just outlined, one in which uh, we're really called to attention. Um, uh, what do you see as, as perhaps, uh, uh, what philosophers of education should do or, or, or need to do uh, moving forward? Yeah. So for for me, this notion of philosophy of education, it's it's yeah, I I don't know. It's also educational philosophy. This is the yeah, this is the English. Sure, sure. <laughs> in yeah. the in the in the in the in the German or the Dutch, my yeah. my native language. And we we have this notion of pedagogic. Yeah. Yes, and then we can make the construction that we have, for example, wijsgerige pedagogic or mm. philosophical pedagogics. Yeah. But pedagogic is not. It's not like pedagogy is here. is is very often related to teaching. Sure. So pedagogic in the in the German tradition is something different. But there it is, the the, the emphasis is on the pedagogic. Yeah. And the philosophical is the is are the tools that you can you you. So the the, the, yeah. the accent is different. It's not philosophy of education. Sure. But it is so to say. Philosophical, it's not philosophical education, but philosophical pedagogy. So that yeah. that is one one important thing. And for me, what increasingly, uh, so, so precisely starting from this notion of 
pedagogy, mm. which in the English context refers most of the time to teaching, sure. yeah, to the teacher. I start from the idea that you should not start from the teacher. The mm. pedagogy is not refer pedagogy is not referring in the first place for me to paideia or to culture or to teaching, but it is referring to the pedagogue. Yeah. And the pedagogue is the one who takes you to school. Mm. That is what you do. So pedagogy is about, for me, pedagogy is about not about teaching, and there is a difference between the teacher and the pedagogue, but it's about making school. Mm. Uh, it's about making school, not school in the sense of institution, right. but school in the sense of the ancient Greek school, you could sure. say, you know, of the free time, a particular kind of time, sure. uh, in which is, which is the time of study, of exercise, but of collective study yeah. and exercise. And so, for me, the, 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 what is the challenge for philosophy, philosophy of education, if you mm -hmm. want, is to, to, to go into, or to continue also in this direction, or to, to how, what, what makes the school into a school? Mm. What makes a university into a university? Right. And how can we, if we have some idea about that, and we are developing these kind of ideas, so what would it mean to, 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 to have a school under the present conditions? So mm. it is not about, it is not about yeah, rest, restoration or about going back or having a traditional schools or something, but what makes a school into a school? Mm. What makes a university into a university? Mm. And is it, we think more and more that it is worthwhile to defend the school and to defend the university sure. as particular inventions to deal with the relation with the new generations and, but, new generations and with the common world. Mm. And so in that sense, we think it is worthwhile to think again about, not about learning, not about, but about school, sure. about university. So for me, that's the challenge. Oh, wow. So that, that really gives a, a lot of um, uh, uh, room for philosophers of education uh, uh, to think about where to place the accent, uh, as you said, right? Uh, where to place the focus, right? Is it uh, 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 placed in sort of um, uh, the traditional uh, space that has been placed uh, here in the English-speaking world? Uh, or might we begin to start uh, thinking about our work more broadly and then also think about uh, our engagement more broadly as well. Mm -hmm. Jan, thank you so much for uh, sitting down and chatting with us. It's been uh, a really pleasurable moment. Thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> for more information and to review previous episodes, please visit www.pipeline.fm. A very special thanks to Moby for use of his song Summer as our theme.